Overbrook Episode 11 Jerk Chicken Content Warning This episode contains mention of anti-blackness, bullying, neglect, and child abuse. I burned all my journals. Even though it made all of this somewhat manageable. So, guess I'm back to my shitty analog phase. Saying things out loud only sort of helps. I can't look directly back at these tapes like the journals. I can't actually see my thoughts. But it's better than nothing. This time, I don't think I'll keep my recordings for long. Maybe a week or two, max. Besides, I don't have many empty cassette tapes, and you can't exactly buy new ones. I'm not even sure cassette tapes are being made anymore. They've probably gone the way of the dinosaurs and floppy disks. Extinct. Which means I'll eventually have to get back to writing. Christ. All those years I spent writing, trying to find connections or reasons for why the town works the way it does, and I didn't really get much out of it other than a momentary release. Maybe that's all this has to be. A momentary release to make the road ahead easier. Not that it's ever gotten easier. Nothing's been easy since I moved here. It's all death and chaos and bottomless potholes and new rituals and... Nonsense. The whole town is just nonsense. And now I don't have anyone to talk to about it anymore. Wynne and I haven't spoken since that fight at La Vida Mocha. We've had worse, but somehow this just doesn't seem survivable. I don't know what it is. Probably because he thinks I'm being too cagey about shit, and that I don't tell him about everything else. And really, I can't. But if he really knew, then he would understand why I can't tell him, which is kind of a catch-22. <sighs> this sucks ass. I know Wynne is my only friend. I prefer it that way. I mean, with how often he dies, being his friend is practically a full-time job. I hang out with him, he dies, I suppress the trauma of watching him die, I mourn, he comes back, rinse and repeat. I don't have time for anyone else, it's fine this way, except... Okay, it's only been three days, but it's the longest I've ever gone without at least checking in on him. I don't know if he's died again. I don't even know how many times. I don't know if he's on his way back. It's driving me up the wall not being able to keep track. But, he's right. I do make it impossible to be my friend, so maybe it's best to stay away. Give him a break. Besides, with or without me, he dies, so I can assume that with or without me, he'll live? It just kills me not to know when. 
I know it sounds like I have some morbid obsession with my friend dying, but that's not it. Fuck, I don't want him to die. I don't want to see him skewered or crushed or drowned or stabbed or whatever other ways there are to kill a person. I'm trying to stop it. I'm trying to keep him alive. And what are the chances that he only dies more when I'm around? Of all the common denominators, his deaths tend to happen when I'm involved. And if we're being honest here, I'd only ever been able to save him a handful of times. <sighs> save him. What a fucking joke. There's no saving him. There's no saving me. Just like how there wasn't any saving of the others. I should just apologize, right? I should just go up to him and say, Hey, sorry, I was out of line the last time. Are we good? No, that's bad. Even I wouldn't accept that. Shit. Have I ever actually apologized for anything before? Like something bigger than just bumping into someone or stepping on the back of their shoe? How do I apologize for stuff? Should I write a note? A note, like a fucking first grader. Just a folded up post-it note that says, I'm sorry, are we still friends? Circle yes or no. I wouldn't blame him if he wrote fuck you and threw it right back at my head. Pathetic. I feel like I'm forgetting something. What is it? Normally I'd say it must not be that important then, but this feels important. What am I forgetting? <sighs> Whatever, I'll remember at some point. In other news, I'm getting a job. I won't say where in case whatever freak show that was reading my journals is listening to this, but I need a reason to stay out of the house more. My parents are starting to ask about my grades. I mean, they were always asking about it, wanting to make sure I'm keeping up my GPA, but I think they're onto the fact that I failed the statistics final. I passed the class, which is just as important, but my GPA did drop and they're not going to be too happy about that. So, a job. I'm getting a job just so I have a reason to be absent from home more often. Unfortunately, they are still on my ass about studying for the MCATs. I came home one day and there was a stack of prep books on my desk. Like, new ones, all shiny and wrapped in plastic. The expensive kind. I think this is their way of saying they still expect me to keep studying. Being from a family of medical practitioners just means never having a good enough excuse to be tired. Not that they're this hard on Raphael. That shithead dropped out of college one semester in and has just been coasting ever since. I mean, he still had to get a job. But Dad has a dentist friend who needed a receptionist at their office, so that's what Raphael does when he's not dripping acid everywhere and going to the gym. It's definitely a double standard, but I'm used to it by now. Even before we moved to Overbrook, Mom used to say the reason she was more disappointed in me when I didn't get straight A's than when my older brother got held back a year was because she knew I was more capable than him. I never believed her. I thought, 
I still think it was just a bad excuse not to get tougher on him. Like, really, who gives a shit about not getting straight A's in the third grade? But I still try my hardest at things. Even in a place like this where nothing makes sense, where people don't have faces and reflections can be deadly. I, I, I don't know what else I do. I'm not delusional to think that the amount of effort I put in is proportional to how safe the town becomes, but if I'm not paying attention, if I'm not carefully observing every inch of Overbrook and playing along like it's all fine, there's no way the alternative is any better. Not talking to Wynne gives me one less thing to keep track of, and while I should feel a little relieved, it just feels like I'm... slacking? Which doesn't even make any sense, because again, I'm never all that successful at keeping him alive in the first place. For every thousand deaths I witness, I might be able to keep him from dying once. It might as well be a curse. A personal circle of hell designed just for me. Sometimes, I wonder why I bother. What's the point in anything I do? When will keep dying? I will not be able to go to medical school. It is physically impossible. And really, what's the point of trying to be a productive member of society when this whole town just keeps trying to kick the will to live out of me? Fuck. How does anyone keep going like this? <sighs> What else should I do, though? Stop talking to Wynn? I'm already doing that and I still don't feel any better. I could try to tell my parents I'd rather not be a doctor. I don't know how that conversation would go, though. When I was in the fourth grade, right before I got the news we were moving to Overbrook, I had this really mean teacher, and I mean just downright sadistic. Her name was Mrs. Jameson. Mrs. Jameson would always pick on me for everything I did. If I wasn't looking at the board when she was teaching, then I must have been goofing off. She always called on me for the hardest math problems to solve, and when I couldn't solve them, she would sneer and say that some people should recognize when it's time to give up. Right in front of the whole class. It got worse when the other students realized they could bully me all they wanted, and she would never take my side. There was one time, some kid named Iris pushed me off the swing so hard I scraped both knees. Iris told Mrs. Jameson that the reason she pushed me was because I smelled, and Mrs. Jameson, in all her maturity, said that maybe I wouldn't get pushed if I bathed a little longer before coming to school. I got really into The Sims that year, just spent hours playing whatever expansions mom could buy for me. There was this one expansion that she said she got out of the bargain bin at Walmart, which never made sense to me because, I mean, it was called an education expansion, but it was for smaller kids. Like, The Sims were literally small children around my age. Not normal because all the expansions had always been adults or teens at most, but not this one. I think when she found it, she thought the expansion was actually educational. I don't know. But, uh, with this one, I recreated the classroom in the game. And all the classmates and Mrs. Jameson in it. 
I thought if I could replicate exactly everything and everyone, I could figure out what about me made the others hate me so bad. Like a bizarro virtual divination ritual. Only, I never made myself in it. I couldn't. Because if all the people were replicated and the bullying was too, then then it would just mean there really was something to hate about me. And I was too afraid to see it. My grades started to drop and obviously mom wasn't happy about that. She took away my Sims games, but when that didn't work, she got into a four-month-long battle with the school administration. She threatened to sue, but didn't have any proof that Mrs. Jameson had it out for me. Then one day, Mom snuck a recorder into my backpack. It was incredible timing that it was the week Mrs. Jameson happened to be really nasty to me. She told me that... Well, there's no reason to bring that up. A week later, the school fired her. But all the other kids loved Mrs. Jameson, so it didn't really fix my social status. No, that was unfortunately permanent. At the end of the year, Mom and Dad told me we were moving to Overbrook. They never said it was because of me. They didn't have to. We lived in Syracuse before. They were getting paid really well at their jobs. But all of a sudden, they got amazing offers from an urgent care in the middle of nowhere? Sure, like I'd believe that. Then I met Wynn, and he was this really energetic kid, like he was always running around, getting into trouble. Eyes were always so wide like he couldn't believe how big the world was. Always curious, always handsy, the amount of times I punched him for touching my journals, I'm surprised he didn't have a permanent bruise. But I don't know, we just got along anyway. I think it was good for both of us, in hindsight. He had someone to remind him to look both ways before crossing the street, I had someone to remind me that maybe Mrs. Jameson was just a shit teacher. My mom always said she was, but I never believed her. Wynn was a kid my age, you know? It was easier to take what he said to heart because he was never malicious. Never mean for the sake of being mean. He had... has... a heart of gold. The first time Wynn died, we were on the playground. Sarah Johnston Middle School had installed a new sandbox, but something about it just didn't sit right with me. Wynne was excited, as always, but during a math lesson, I looked out of the window and noticed something staring back at me from inside the sandbox. It looked like an eye on a stalk, and it just looked at me before sinking all the way down into the box, much further down than the sand should even go. And of course, the moment the lunch bell rang, guess who was the first person at the sandbox? I couldn't convince him to get off the sand fast enough. Whatever was in there snaked around his leg and started pulling him down with such a force that I was barely able to grab his hand. You know what the shit thing is? None of the teachers or other students tried to help. Maybe they were scared. Maybe they didn't know what was going on. Maybe something told them not to. But I held on to Wynn for as long as I could, and he held on as long as he could. Then our hands started slipping. 
and he grabbed onto the bracelet he got me for my birthday for dear life, and as the beads scattered across the dirt, his fingers were buried beneath the sand. And then he was gone. I can still hear him screaming. Wynne came back to school the next day. I thought he was a ghost and started ignoring him. No, no, that's a lie. I didn't ignore him. I don't think I could have ignored him any more than a person can ignore a splinter under their nail. Every cell in my body was aware of him, aware that he was back. Everyone treated him the same. All the kids and teachers. Hell, even he acted the same, like he didn't remember choking to death. He acted like he couldn't remember the sandbox at all, but I knew. I just knew that Wynne should have hated me for not being able to save him. The point is, I could tell my parents I don't want to be a doctor, but unless I go through the whole production of being really anxious and depressed over it, they won't take me seriously. Hell, I'm already anxious and depressed, and yet, there's the textbooks on my fucking desk. Ugh. Anytime Wynne's not around, I start thinking too much. About Overbrook, about my parents. I don't think I told anyone else about Mrs. Jameson before. I was afraid that just the mention of her would make people see what she saw in me. I know I was just a kid and maybe I didn't deserve that, but I look at everything I'm going through now and just... wonder. I wonder, you know? I still think about that Sims game. When I look it up, it's clear it never existed. But I have vivid memories of it, so I can only come to one of two conclusions. Either this town is messing with my memories, reconstructing them to make it sadder than it actually was, or... Or that game was a lure. A hook for Overbrook. And it got its hooks into me and brought me here, to my own personal hell. Fuck. I know I'm forgetting something important. Is it someone's birthday today or something? I know it's Thursday... Oh shit, it's Thursday. I'm late. I'm fucking late. That's possible. Sorry I'm late, though. It's alright. There have been days where you were early, so I suppose this evens out. If that's how you want to think about it. <gasps> is that what I think it is? Jerk chicken from that Jamaican place downtown. Extra spicy. You remembered. We have a deal. I have to say, you are definitely my favorite human in this town. I'm glad to hear that. It wasn't easy to get this, you know. Hmm? How so? Both my parents know I'm vegetarian, and Raphael is more bottomless than the potholes in town, considering how much he eats. Getting takeout from this place required a more convoluted plan than I'm used to. Oh, and yet you went through all that trouble for me. 
Like I said, we have a deal. I've turned around now. If you have any other requests, just let me know. I'll do my best to get them. Oh my god, that was worth waiting for. I'll take your word for it. Do you... Are you keeping the bag, or should I take it to the trash can? Mm? Oh, right. I'll leave it at the edge of the tunnel. There it is. You can turn around now. Cool. You seem a little down. Is everything alright? Yeah, of course. Everything's fine. Oh, come on. That wasn't very convincing. It's nothing. It's something, Vincent. Go on, tell me. You can't say you and I don't share any kind of kinship. Kinship? In what way? We're both incredibly isolated creatures in a very eventful town like this. That just means I would have a kinship with most of the actual people here. And that would mean that most of them are isolated. But they're not. Locke has a number of disciples, does he not? He's a cult leader, Margaret. A cult leader with more friends than you. Friends? I thought they were disciples. You're nitpicky today. He treats them like they're friends, and that is what's important. I'm just saying, kinship's a strong word. (sighs) All these years, showing up at my tunnel every Thursday with whatever bag of food I request, starting from high school, a time which, from what I've gleaned, is a difficult time to purchase food when you can't legally work. I made it work. Then you went and bought me a cell phone. You asked me to get you one because your actual voice puts people in a trance. I was lonely, Vincent. Do you really think humans are the only social creatures that exist? I wanted a line of communication. I wanted to connect, especially with you. And, if I'm being honest, it was (laughs) really more of a joke. I didn't actually expect a 14-year-old to go out of their way to purchase a cellular phone for a disembodied voice living in a tunnel. But you did. You did that and kept buying me food for years. Was that not out of kindness? Dare I say, friendship? More like obligation. You were luring people into this tunnel to eat when I first met you, remember? Girls gotta eat. I can't leave the tunnel, as you know. You leave the tunnel when I bring you food. Not that you ever actually let me see you. Even now I can't see you inside. The tunnel's empty from my perspective. You're not changing the subject that easily. I'm genuinely curious. And you're genuinely not going to get any answers. You've studied me enough already, and I don't care for feeling like a lab rat. I am not some lesser creature you think you can just keep sated with food and a weekly catch-up. I don't treat you like a lesser creature. I've told you everything your little heart desired. Now I'd like the same courtesy of asking you whatever I want to know. That's not a fair trade. I only asked about things that have to do with your existence. You want to know about my personal life. You've asked me once if I defecate. Isn't that personal? Okay, that's just because I can only conceptualize creatures in terms of bodies. In terms of human bodies. But not all creatures are created equal, dear Vincent. I thought you'd know that from your talks with Victor. I don't really talk with Victor. You don't really talk with anyone. Not me, not Locke, not even your closest friend. Margaret. I bet he still doesn't even know how often he dies. 
You're standing on thin fucking ice. Am I? Fine. Tell me nothing, then. Wallow in your depression. Excuse me for believing we had grown beyond the initial standoff where I promise not to eat your friends and you give me actual food once a week. You're gonna go back to eating people, aren't you? Who knows? Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Ugh. Fine. Ask whatever you want, but I reserve the right to ignore at least three questions. Ooh, like a reverse genie situation. Okay. I've always wanted to know. Um, actually, I'll start with the softer questions, and then work my way up. You sound way too excited about this. Do you have a girlfriend? What? No! Why? Don't tell me you're interested. <laughs> Definitely not. No offense, but you're not my type. Somehow, I'm a little offended. It's not you, it's me. Oh my god. You're just a little too emotionally unavailable. Next question, just ask your next question, Christ. You're so fun to tease. And yet you wonder why I don't like sharing. What's going on with you? You're never late. Usually you're very early. I don't want to talk about it. Is it when? Don't want to talk about that either. Mm, that's two rejections. You can only turn me down one more time. You're actually counting? Well, I wouldn't want to renege on our deal. Since you're only doing this out of obligation. You're not going to let it go, are you? I don't have any friends, Vincent. The nature of my existence prevents that from happening. I'm allowed to be upset when the one creature I wish to understand sees me as nothing more than a monster to keep in line. What's your next question? What's the real reason you keep bringing me food? What? Do you think I don't notice? You're not keeping an eye on me. Sure, I can't leave the tunnel any more than you can leave your own head. But you're not making sure I'm not taking anyone else. There are no cameras set up to make sure the people who wander into this tunnel come back out. And for all that you pretend that you don't trust me. You do. You trust me. Only as long as you keep your end of the bargain, which you've done almost religiously. Why? Why go through all this? I just want to keep certain people alive. Your friends and family. Though I've even gone further to not eat the generics, like you call them. Whereas Victor isn't so restricted. That's different. Victor is an anthropophage. He needs to eat people to survive. Human food doesn't cut it for him. I can't begrudge him that. Also, you and Victor talk? Uh, 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 I'm asking the questions, remember. What's the real reason why you put so much effort for little old me? Is it because you feel bad for me? No. Is it because you want to stay on my good side? That I'll hang up the phone and call out to you from the tunnel, making you walk in to find out what I really am? I... Or... Did you also need a friend who wouldn't die as often as Wynne does? Someone who you can always count on to stay exactly the same in the exact same place. I've had other friends. Oh, of course. There was Locke and Naomi, a twitchy guy named Thomas, if I remember correctly. I don't want to talk about that. That's your third rejection. I get free reign now. That shouldn't count. That wasn't even a question. Tell me about Rosemary. How do you know that name? I hear things from time to time. People are very chatty when they think there's nothing in this tunnel. It's been years. Okay, well, let's pretend that you used to talk about her a lot. You used to talk about a lot more things, actually. You were 
happier with your friends, I think. Until they started getting picked off one by one. Until Rosemary started picking them off. Rosemary wasn't real. You mean she wasn't a real person? She was a gen. A gen with vivid memories about her past life up in Buffalo, isn't that right? And she insisted that her name was Rosemary. Not that you would call her that at first. How do you know that? Me and the other creatures like to trade information sometimes. Trade information? What? Did you think I had no social life? A minute ago you said you had no friends. Uh, Of course not. I wouldn't count Victor as a friend. He's much too abrasive for my taste. Always looking for his next meal. It's like his whole personality and (laughs) kind of cringe, if you ask me. Cringe? What, have you been on Reddit lately or something? Tumblr, actually. How do you even have access to the internet? You're asking a lot of questions for someone who has answered so very little of mine. I want to know about Rosemary. What happened to her? I'd rather tell you about when. I've lost interest in that topic. Ugh. Right. All right, fine. I will tell you one thing about Rosemary. Just one. And you can trade that tidbit to whatever dork-ass loser is so interested in my life. But afterwards, I'm hanging up and I'm walking away. Deal? I resent the implication that you think you're so small in all of this, but regardless, continue. What does that even... You know what? Not going to engage. You want to know what happened to Rosemary? She died, okay? Just like Naomi and Thomas and probably even Eris, though I notice you didn't mention her once. They're all dead. But not Locke. No, not Locke. This episode was written by me, Reese Tirado. Voice of Vincent was me again, Reese Tirado. Voice of Margaret was Dana Creesman. If you'd like to support the show, please join our Patreon, which will be linked in the show notes.